Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.52 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 10th of September, 2021. This is episode 475 of Bitcoin. And Aaron Von Weirdem seems to just be walking around El Salvador buying shit over the Lightning Network. <clears throat> He's got another uh, set of pictures up as of yesterday. Went into a Starbucks, apparently. I'm guessing San Salvador. I don't know. Anyway, showing his coffee. Uh, rip Roger Ver. And uh, and the receipt for the coffee, but on the other picture that he's put up on the same tweet, he's got the lightning invoice, the paid lightning invoice, and let's see what it says here. Uh, you paid point zero 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 five eight six three BTC for this cup of coffee, and uh, he did it at eleven forty six a.m. on September the ninth. I assume San Salvador. And his network fee was point zero 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 BTC. He paid no lightning fees at all. There was no charge for this transaction. I want us to be very careful here. This will not last. The, the question is not if, it is when transaction fees will become evident for the majority of Lightning Network transactions. So be careful that we don't fall into the same damn trap that Roger Verse set for everybody by saying, look, I just sent 10,000 BTC for free. And then it wasn't free. And then we had the block size wars. And then we had the chain splits and... Now, a lot of people that were really high-quality Bitcoiners back in the day are completely not, they're not even in the game anymore. Don't let this happen to you, okay? Caveat the shit out of this. When you're talking to people about the Lightning Network as the second layer technology for Bitcoin's base settlement layer, when you talk about fees and say, yeah, I can do all these transactions for no fees, be careful because you, I, and nobody else knows exactly what's going to happen with Lightning Network fees in the future, but there will be fees. That doesn't mean that they're going to be extraordinary, ever get extraordinarily high, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Depends on, on traffic. It depends on adoption. It depends on wallet technology. It depends on a lot of things, but one thing is for certain. Aaron Von Weirdem, in a couple of years from now, very well may never see a zero-fee transaction on Lightning again. So let's, let's take a lesson from history and try not to make the same mistakes that Roger Ver was making. And 
to his credit, he probably really genuinely thought that there was never going to be fees on the Bitcoin network. That would, <clears throat> that was a mistake. Now I would have probably made the exact same mistake. <clears throat> I'm not going to make that mistake this time. And I don't think uh, other people should either uh, because, <laughs> okay, <laughs> because people are making mistakes as we speak when uh, we talk about the Lightning Network. Let's just do it. CNBC's got this one. El Salvador's new Bitcoin wallets could cost Western Union and similar companies $400 million a year. Yeah, I hope they just choke on it. Jamie Garcia really hates using Western Union to send money home to El Salvador. Quote, in this day and age, it is wild that I have to go to a physical Western Union office, give them actual cash, and then hand them another $25 on top of that before they would send my money over, Garcia said. And then, of course, it takes three days for it to actually arrive in El Salvador. Garcia, who lives in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan, fled El Salvador when he was 11 after rebels bombed his house. <laughs> Joy. His biggest issue with wiring cash abroad is less than inconvenience on his end and more about what happens to his loved ones receiving the money. Quote, they got to take a bus to go to a physical location to pick it up and there are gangs that hang out around those offices. They know what people are going there for. They basically rob them, said Garcia. Since he last sent money home, Garcia told CNBC he now has the option to make an online payment via the Western Union app, but he still faces steep fees, which are right around 12.5% for a $100 transfer, and it doesn't solve the problem of what happens to those picking up the cash in El Salvador. Yeah, picking up $100 minus $12.5. That's what they're picking up. That's actually just as important because that's just robbery without a gun, right? That's just robbery without having to hang out, smoke cigarettes on the steps of Western Union in San Salvador, isn't it? That's just straight up, oh, we could, We don't even have to work at robbery. You know, at least the gangs in El Salvador work for their money. And I know that's not funny because there's some evil sons of bitches out there. But at least they actually have to go to a location, hang out, and then perform the act. Whereas Western Union, they ain't got to do shit. That's just code for them. Just an automatic, you know, deletion of 12.5% of the money you send back home. Fuck these guys. I hope they all die, really, honestly. Garcia isn't alone in his frustrations with the legacy payment rails. Many in the 2.5 million Salvador diaspora, Salvadoran diaspora, <clears throat> or sorry, diaspora, send money to friends and family still living in El, in El Salvador. Last year, they collectively transferred nearly $6 billion, or roughly 23% of the country's gross domestic product, and a chunk of that went to the middlemen facilitating these international transfers. Quote, remittances are one area where the status quo in our legacy financial system is terrible, with extraordinarily high fees leveled at populations that can ill afford them, said Matt Hugan, chief investment officer of Bitwise Asset Management, or BAM. It's a worn out Twitter saying, but Bitcoin really does fix this. The hassle around remittances is one chief reason El Salvador President Nayib Bukele cited for declaring Bitcoin legal tender. As part of the rollout, the government has launched its own national virtual wallet called Shivo, which offers no-fee transactions and allows for quick cross-border payments. Quote, it won't be overnight. 100% of remittances aren't going to move to the Chivo app tomorrow. 
these things take time and people naturally worry about trying new things with money. Now, no shit, but the current fee levels <clears throat> of charge for remittances are going to prove unsustainable, Hugan said. Bukele is young, tech-savvy, and a budding authoritarian. Here we go. Okay, let me stop right there. Maybe he is. Maybe he is authoritarian, okay? Apparently, he's got the thing with mask mandates. Francis Pouliot kind of tagged me on Twitter and said, no, the dude actually is authoritarian. The problem is, is that I don't know. I've never met the man. I mean, I can look at, at what I'm being told, but I'm not in El Salvador. I would have to live there for at least, you know, a few months before I got the feeling of whether or not the dude's an authoritarian or not. And the reason is because I don't trust any news outlet anymore. Yes, I'm reading you the news and CNBC is probably one of the most untrusted news outlets that there is. There is signal there. You just got to get through the noise. And I'm not sure if I'm going to straight up call, you know, uh, Bukele straight up authoritarian, except when you bring the military into the parliament, if that actually happened, because I wasn't there, I didn't see it, uh, that's pretty much authoritarian. That's like Caesar bringing the Roman armed Roman troops across the Rubicon River and into Rome. That shit was never supposed to happen, and that shit signaled the entire flippening of the direction that Rome was going to go. Okay, When he brought the troops across the Rubicon, that was it. And everybody in Rome, the part like the, the Senate, all the rich people in Rome, they knew what that shit meant. They were getting a dictator. So I don't know. We got to watch this guy. And we also got to be able to push back on this guy through any means necessary if he is pulling bullshit. So anyway, <clears throat> one of these perks is offering $30 worth of free Bitcoin to every Salvadoran inside the country who signs up for the Chivo wallet. And that's no small sum. Monthly minimum wage is 365 bucks. Remittances from abroad comp comprise nearly a quarter of El Salvador's GDP and around 70% <clears throat> of the population receives them. The average monthly remittance transfer is $195. And for the households that receive remittances, it makes up 50% of their total income. So the funneling of cash from abroad back home to El Salvador is critical to survival for most of the country. Around 60% of that cash comes via remittance companies and 38% comes through banking institutions, according to official data. Fees vary by company, but typically the smaller the payment, the higher the percentage that goes to fees. For instance, if Garcia wants to send $10 to his cousin in San Salvador, he will pay $3.24 or nearly 33% commission to Western Union. Jesus, they don't even have a sliding scale on this. They're not even pretending. If he uses his Moon, M-U-U-N, self-custodial wallet for the transaction, however, he will pay 10 cents or a 1% fee. And if Garcia were to pay from a Chivo wallet, which is reserved for Salvadoran nationals living at home or abroad, the transaction would be free. Once his cousin receives the funds, he can then go to any of the 200 new Chivo ATMs the government rolled out and withdraw U.S. dollars from his virtual wallet. Quote, wherever you are now, you can send Bitcoin to anyone with a Chivo wallet in El Salvador, and in minutes, they have the value, and then they can go to one of the ATMs and take it out in cash without a fee, says Alex Gladstein. That's drop-dead stunning. It's an incredible humanitarian improvement, Gladstein continued. The president estimates that money service providers like Western Union and MoneyGram will lose $400 million a year in commissions for remittances 
should the population adopt Bitcoin at scale? Mario Gomez Lozada, who was born and raised in El Salvador, worked as a banker with Merrill Lynch and Credit Suisse, and now runs a derivatives exchange for crypto assets, thinks the figure will be closer to one billion with a B dollars. Western Union did not reply to CNBC request for comment about whether or not the company was going to die. I mean, uh, was worried about how this might affect businesses. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> sorry. And if there was any plans to alter the fee structure for increased competition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the story goes on, but you get the gist, right? Western Union, very much like Blockbuster and Kodak are going to die. And... You know, and also Hollywood video died too <clears throat> for the same reasons that Western Union is going to die because they're depending on physical locations. You don't need to do that. We haven't, we haven't really needed to do that for a long time, but the whole, oh, the whole beer virus, you know, uh, kind of forced a situation where we really needed to use it. And not that the virus itself was causing me to use it. It was the government reactions, right? So anyway... The only difference <clears throat> about like comparing this stuff to Blockbuster and Hollywood video is that honestly, I rather enjoyed going to, I, me and my wife would walk down the street like on Friday night because we had a Hollywood video at the end of our block, right? We'd walk in and people there knew, knew about movies. They were movie buffs. They were, I would go up to the counter. I'd say, hey man, if I like the Matrix, I'm going to like, and the, and the guy would go, oh, 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 I got you, pal. I got you. And, and would lead me right to, like, you know, would start leading me around the store and showing me movies. You can't do that. I miss that. But I guarantee damn well understand that who is not going to miss a physical location experience are the people in El Salvador having to go to a Western Union and walk past a group of people they know when they walk back out is going to rob them. I mean, can you imagine the pit of your stomach feeling you'd get on that? Screw all this, dude. Let's move on. <clears throat> Debunking JP Morgan's arguments against El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption. Bitcoin Magazine's Anomcios has it. JP Morgan analysts have shared their views on the adoption of Bitcoin as legal currency in El Salvador. The bank portrays the move as a problematic experiment, of course, demonstrating a high time preference rationale and a profound lack of understanding of Bitcoin and its incentives. Quote, El Salvador's ill-conceived experiment should not be critical for the future of Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. Crypto markets suffered from El Salvador's glitches this week, but that was from a frothy backdrop. Oh, God, jeez. See, it, the, the bullshit is going to just be laid on thick for, from, from now until whenever. The analysts <clears throat> also explain that why they believe that Bitcoin is unlikely to unseat the dollar or even equalize it as a parallel currency in El Salvador. JP Morgan claimed Bitcoin isn't suitable to be used as a currency due to high volatility and the fact that it isn't backed by anything <laughs> like the dollar is. However, JP Morgan falls short of understanding that volatility is inherent to Bitcoin's current early adoption phase. It cannot be forgotten that the peer-to-peer -peer monetary network was created only over a decade ago and is only recently becoming a widely accepted store of value. The move by El Salvador is a leap into uncharted territory, yes, but bringing the promising, promising but nascent money into the front stage for testing its usage as a lawful medium of exchange in a country. 
As worldwide adoption increases, volatility will decrease. On the other hand, saying that Bitcoin can't be used as money because it isn't backed by anything is the most fallacious argument of them all because the United States dollar is not genuinely backed by anything. The dollar is only supported by an artificial demand sustained by totalitarian governments in the Middle East that pledge to sell oil in dollars and purchase American bonds in exchange for military aid. So our, the United States military is the only actual physical thing that backs the United States dollar. And, and what, here's what I'm, this is me talking here. What I'm saying is you take that to the United States Senate and the Senate, you know, banking or finance committees and all those guys and say, look, the dollar's not backed by anything either. The only thing that they'll be able to say is, well, it's backed by the United States military, which means that it's backed by force. It's backed by fear. It's backed by terror. It's backed by blowing small children up at weddings in Pakistan. If that's the money you want to use, and I have to use it, and it makes it's starting to actually make me sick. Whenever I'm using the United States dollar, I'm enforcing the destruction of countries. I'm, in, I'm enforcing the destruction of people's livelihoods, their lives, th th their love for their children, their love for their parents, their freedom. I, I, I'm complicit in that terrorist act, and it's making me sick. It's getting to the point where I just, it hurts to do it every time that I do it. <clears throat> Contrasting, Bitcoin is backed by a distributed network of proof-of-work miners and validating peers that enable BTC users to transact any amount of value at any time from and to anywhere in a trustless, permissionless, and peaceful way. No other monetary system in the world has that ability. Because of that, in Bloomberg's words, Bitcoin may have solved the age-old problem of a global reserve asset that's easily transportable and transactional, has 24-7 price discovery, is relatively scarce, and is nobody's liability or project. Oh, they got that right. Quote, few goods or services are priced or negotiated in Bitcoin terms, and Bitcoin itself is priced in dollars, JP Morgan said. <laughs> While retailers and merchants in El Salvador will over time accept and list prices in Bitcoin, these prices are likely to fluctuate wildly according to the price of Bitcoin in dollars, end quote. Merchants will actually not list prices in BTC as this would simply be badness to do with the developing monetary goods still early in its adoption cycle. Bitcoin can and is expected to assume medium of exchange roles of money without <clears throat> and before taking the unit of account one. I think it's a misguided sentence there. But as adoption increases enough, Bitcoin might then be suitable to become a generally accepted unit of account and take on all of the roles of money. Quote, in the best case, El Salvador's experiment would end with more transactions in Bitcoin and also Salvadorans hold Bitcoin as a store of value and alternative to gold, the analysts claim, per the report. Some of the arguments are correct. Bitcoin will indeed see more transactions, although abstracted away into the Lightning Network. The, the, the Salvadorans will certainly use BTC as a store of value. However, they will also use it as a medium of exchange. J.P. Morgan seems to forget that nearly 70% of Salvadorans are unbanked and 25% of the country's GDP comes from cross-border remittance inflows. In the way those remittances are currently set, a big chunk is lost as fees to intermediaries like Western Union. However, with Bitcoin, people can now opt out of centralized services to increase transaction efficiency and send more money home. 
<clears throat> Bitcoin's fixed supply of 21 million coins would create, according to JP Morgan, a deflationary system that is unsustainable to most economies. Well, most economies suck, so they need to die anyway, dude. BTC's buying power would naturally increase over time, given its limited supply, and therefore the price of goods and services denominated in Bitcoin terms would fall over time. Yeah, that's the point, bitch. In such an economy, the incentive by economic agents would thus be to hoard rather than to spend the currency. God, they just never stop with that one, do they? Although some mainstream economists point out that inflation is necessary for being <clears throat> for an economy to function and prosper, this premise uh, is highly debatable and far from being an indisputable truth. Technology, for instance, is deflationary by nature, as De Jeff Booth argues in The Price of Tomorrow. So increased productivity and technological innovation should drive prices down, but we currently see the opposite happening due to mainstream monetary policies uh, taken upon governments worldwide. <clears throat> Excuse me. In either case, Bitcoin is not deflationary. The supply is limited, but inflation exists until the last BTC is mined, which is set to happen in the 22nd century. There is a predictable monetary policy and issuance schedule where inflation is reduced every four years until the supply cap is reached. Similarly, however, gold is also scarce and the world's function pretty well on the gold standard, or at least until the United States government embarked upon a high time preference move to print excess cash to finance a war that they couldn't win. The action removed the convertibility of dollars to gold and triggered the petrodollar, which depends on totalitarian government's purchase of U.S. bonds to sustain demand for the imposed global reserve currency. In either case, people would not cease spending money completely if they only used Bitcoin, but they would indeed spend less. The evident opportunity cost of spending now versus later would pressure them to increase savings and reduce debt, but that shouldn't necessarily be negative. Today's society is mainly driven by unnecessary spending and action influenced by heavy marketing and backboned by ever-increasing quantitative easing and loose monetary policy from governments. In a Bitcoin standard, people would instead be incentivized to save for the future, spend less on non-essential items, and be able to make more significant investments that could last for generations. Today's high time preference culture is meaningless buys and ephemeral ownership is among other things, a product of the current in incentive structure to borrow and spend rather than save and invest. Quote, also the experiment's reliance on payment network strike, which is an additional layer over the lightning network on the Bitcoin blockchain will pose security and privacy risks that may outweigh the <clears throat> reduction in transaction costs, according to the report. Oh, for layer two solutions <clears throat> and some apps indeed bring trade-offs if compared to transacting on the Bitcoin base layer. However, different than the current monetary system with Bitcoin, people are free to choose. Bitcoin empowers the masses with choice, allowing each individual to choose freely between different possibilities, considering their trade-offs. However, whether such trade-offs are worth it or not should be left to the discretion of the Salvadoran people, not a bunch of suits in an office in Manhattan. In either case, Users do not have to use Strike. They are free to choose the Lightning wallet of their choice to pay for goods and services that they wish to purchase. They can use their, mo <clears throat> their own nodes running anywhere in the world to trustlessly pay with their mobile Lightning wallet in El Salvador. Merchants also use <clears throat> different tools as McDonald's is using Open Node, for instance. This is what freedom and empowerment look like. Quote, 
And finally, El Salvador's $150 million government trust in Bitcoin to ensure immediate convertibility to dollars might not be enough if a downturn in crypto markets drives citizens to sell Bitcoin in mass, says the report. Trust, trust's liquidity is a genuine risk. The trust might fall short of cash and, or to allow Bitcoin convertibility to U.S. dollars and some more significant issues could ensue. However, this is also up to the people to choose which money to use. And in the long run, the trust might not be needed at all if demand for Bitcoin ramps up while demand for dollars diminishes. The bottom line is that Bitcoin, with its clear advantages over the dollar, has the ability to bring people to adopt it and prefer it against the green bills. Already a better store of value and with clear potential to be a much better medium of exchange in the coming years, Bitcoin could become a superior unit of account as well. But that will be up to the market to decide. We can only control the incentives and characteristics of each monetary good, something that the United States government has been, hasn't been doing a great job at with the dollar. So thank you, Nomcios, for laying that one out for us. Uh, let's see, what else we got here? <clears throat> oh, let's see. Yeah, Bitcoin will protect your wealth from the government. Uh, the government, oh, sorry, this is Mark Marari. I think I pronounced that right. Sorry if I didn't. The government is a parasite masquerading as our friend. Rulers want us to believe that they have our best interest in mind while enriching themselves and their cronies. The simple truth is governments exist to maintain themselves and they never shrink. They always get larger. This is as true of democracies as it is of dictatorships. The unstated goal is for the 1% to enrich themselves at the expense of the other 99%. It has been true throughout all human history and it is today. Sounds harsh, but if you study history, <clears throat> you will see it clearly. The same can be said about central banks and most major companies in the world. They are rent seekers. Darwinian survival of the species is always in play, even for governments, and the bigger they get, the more extractive they become, and the more monopoly power they acquire, it makes them that much harder to rein in. They are like a giant organism that is constantly saying, feed me. So how do we rein it in? You want your government to shrink? Buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not parasitic. Bitcoin is not trying to extract as much as it can from you like governments and central banks do. Bitcoin isn't aiming to control anyone. Bitcoin takes the pressure off investing. Bitcoin is the greatest savings technology the human race has devised. I can save in Bitcoin and remove myself from having to learn a second career as an investor. Yeah, no shit, dude. Bitcoin is the cure for parasites. Bitcoin, like proper food handling, is a simple but effective cure. Cleaning and disinfecting the modern financial system is no easy task, but a decentralized network capable of transferring value instantly is a far, <clears throat> rather, a fair remedy. The eradication of the parasite begins with small doses of freedom in the form of early OGs, and from there spreads throughout the organism, clearing out unhealthy corruption, replacing the corruption with cantillion benefits, and uh, ultimately awakening society to the parasite itself. The final stages of the parasite involve self-destructive tendencies reminiscent of totalitarianism, but it is no of no concern to those knowledgeable about the decentralization of Bitcoin. Bitcoin can protect your wealth from governments because they have no ability to dilute the current or future issuance of Bitcoin, nor steal it from us, and that is simply amazing. Now, it's an opinion piece, but it's a good opinion. Um, the sanitization, he goes into the sanitization of the... Uh, 
fiat system and compares it to food, I think a lot about um, halal and kosher in these particular instances when we talk about food. I mean, you're ta- I mean, you're when you're talking about clean food. Um, you're talking about the Old Testament going back to like the first couple of, you know, the, the first couple of books of, you know, of the Old Testament. And those actually kind of are very, very similar to, you know, like the Old Testament and the Christian Bible is, is essentially much of the Torah, but some other stuff added in. And clean food was actually, there was actually rules that you followed. Kosher was law. All right. It wasn't just a label that you put on a box of crackers. No, it was like a way of living because if you did not live that way, your chances of getting yourself sick or making other people sick were pretty damn high because sanitation at that time, we didn't have refrigerators. We didn't know how to make ice. You had to, I mean, the food preservation was a science and an art. And it was developed that way because if you didn't, you were probably going to die of food poisoning, all right? Same thing here. The financial system is is a form of energy that you have to ingest and translate for your own bodily good. And if what you're ingesting is shitty money that's not kosher or not halal, you're, you're risking real infection. Like every single time a Tomahawk missile drops on a wedding in Pakistan and blows apart a family, because some dude's wearing a turban that we think might actually have something to do with 9-11, which probably we know he didn't, I feel sick inside, like I was saying earlier. That's why I like this particular article, man. Now, Miami Mayor Suarez calls for election of a Bitcoin president after Joe Biden. <laughs> well, I think Joe Biden was pre-programmed to not make it out of his uh, first year in office. I may be wrong. I've said it before, but I think this entire thing is a sham. I think Joe Biden is 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 purpose built as the president to fail so that Kamala Harris will end up being the first female president of the United States and they don't have to go through the ugly measures of getting an election. It's not that I don't think a female shouldn't be president of the United States. I'm just looking at at what I'm seeing, and I see a frail, decrepit, dementia-ridden old man who can barely stand up and barely stay awake as president and, and president of the United States and leader of the free world. And I don't think he's going to make it out of this term. I think he's going to end up getting sick, and there's going to be, you know, there's an amendment in the Constitution where where everybody, if everybody signs off on it in Senate or something like that then he is removed from office and the vice president comes in and finishes out the term. And I said like amendment 25 or something like that in the constitution. I can't remember, but it's there. Anyway, I don't think, I don't think this guy's uh, mayor Suarez is going to have to wait too long. Honestly. Um, let's see. Uh, Alec McShane writing it for a Bitcoin magazine during Thursday's Bitmain digital mining conference. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez concluded his speech by challenging the audience to go out there and elect the next president of the United States to be a pro-Bitcoin president. That's a direct quote from a mayor of one of the largest, most influential cities in the United States. Yeah, dude, just called it. 
Nice. A strong advocate for adopting innovation, Mayor Suarez has used Bitcoin to alter the public perception of Miami and give it the aura of something like a nascent Silicon Valley. During his speech, Suarez talked about working for years to integrate Bitcoin into the Miami way of life. Quote, the city of Miami has been dubbed by many as the Bitcoin capital of the world, he began. Francis Suarez, a son of the first Cuban-born mayor of Miami, brings a nonpartisan pragmatism to the Bitcoin community. Notably, Suarez made Miami the second government in the world and the first in North America to host Satoshi's white paper on the government website. He has been working toward putting Bitcoin on the city's balance sheet. Miami has seen massive job growth and innovation in the tech sector as in last year, uh, partly as a result of those efforts. Suarez's goal is to make Miami the most innovative city in America. As his speech pointed out, governments can at times help facilitate such innovation. But in the case of Bitcoin and disruptive technologies, which are hard or impossible to control, governments too often try to obstruct innovation. Quote, governments are going to lose control of Bitcoin, Suarez told the audience. Control is not necessarily a bad thing for governments to lose, he explained. Wow, I'm just going to end it right there because we're running over on time. But Mayor Suarez just calling it straight up. Let's run the numbers. Futures and commodities, I got West Texas Intermediate up 1.75% to $69.33. Brent North Sea crude is up 1.76% as well, $72.71. Natural gas is now officially over five bucks per thousand cubic feet. And that's after a percent uh, a, a drop in price. Gasoline is up to $2.14 per gallon, and that is after a almost 2% climb in price. Gold is down 0.17%, still under $1,800. Silver is 0.3% down to $24.10. Platinum is up 0.15. Copper shot up over 2%, and palladium is damn near up 3%. Uh, agricultural futures are mixed, but there's really nothing of note here. They're all sub 1% moves in either direction. Dow futures is up a half a point. S&P futures up almost half a point, as well as the NASDAQ futures, as well as the S&P mini, which is up 0.47%. But we've got limited time. Let's talk about real money. $46,157, and I'm just giving the finger to the screen right now. You can't see me. 267,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is 11,000 transactions every hour. With 409,000 BTC being sent in the past 24 hours, that's 17,000 BTC sent every hour on the hour on average with an average transaction value of 1.5 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.016 BTC or 718 bucks in block times are still exactly 10 minutes and zero seconds. 0.09 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 13 and a quarter BTC, no, actually 13 and three quarters of a BTC uh, being taken <clears throat> uh, in fees over the last 24 hour period with a 1.8% bump in hash rate. We are back up to 138.68 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is down to just under a single quarter of a United States dollar. Screw you, Doge. Hope you die. 4,856 transactions are waiting on two blocks to clear. 
there we have a market capitalization of 867.9 billion which is just under seven and a half percent of coal of gold's total market cap 25.7 ounces of shiny metal rock one bitcoin will get you and there are 18,811,785.25 BTC in circulation at the moment. Now, 2,424 of those are in the Lightning Network with a capacity value of 11, sorry, $111.8 million being run over 15,087 nodes. 69,430 payment channels are open at this time that we know about. 74.9% of the entire Lightning Network is now run over Tor. That would be being run over 9,696 nodes that we can see. And there are 1,814.71 BTC in the Lightning side uh, or in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. And that will do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin transactions akin to bartering, says Bank of Mexico Governor. Uh, Arjit Sarkar has it for Cointelegraph. The governor of the Bank of Mexico, Alejandro Diaz de Leon, dismissed Bitcoin's position as a reliable tender, citing price volatility as major roadblocks toward full-fledged adoption. In a Reuters interview, <clears throat> he said that Bitcoin's position in today's financial system resembles a dimension of precious metals when compared to central banks' fiat money. <laughs> in stark contrast to El Salvador's mainstream Bitcoin adoption that requires businesses to accept payments in Bitcoin, Mexico's central bank chief questioned Bitcoin's position as a viable legal tender at all. Quote, whoever receives Bitcoin in exchange for a good or service, <clears throat> we believe that transaction is more akin to bartering because that person is exchanging a good for a good, but not really money for a good. End quote. Diaz de Leon also highlighted the inherent risk of daily price volatility when dealing with cryptocurrencies. Coincidentally, the Salvadoran government was a witness to this risk just one day after the re recognizing Bitcoin as a legal tender and buying its first 200 BTC worth $10.4 at the time of purchase. Taking advantage of the situation, Salvadoran President Nayib Bukele announced the purchase of more Bitcoin during the dip, resulting in a total holding of 550 BTC. According to Bukele, this move saved his administration a million in printed paper. Mexico's central bank governor pointed out the need for reliability in terms of payment executions and value, stating, People will not want their purchasing power, their salary, to go up or down 10% from one day to another. You don't want that volatility for purchasing power. In that sense, it is not a good safeguard of value. <clears throat> As Cointelegraph reported on June 28th, authorities from Mexico's finance ministry issued a warning against institutional offerings related to digital currencies, highlighting risks related to payments and value fluctuation. The regulators have also said that no financial institutions in the country are authorized to carry out and offer to the public operations with virtual assets, including Bitcoin, and then they named Shitcoin 1 and Shitcoin 2. Uh, so there you go. An another central bank president uh, crapping all over Bitcoin. Who Honestly, who, who would have guessed? <clears throat> now, talk about... <coughs> Talk about some, some, some chicanery here. CBDCs could lead to, quote, deeply negative interest rates, says the Wall Street Journal. Martin Young has it for Cointelegraph. According to the Wall Street Journal, central bank <clears throat> digital currencies could actually negatively impact interest rates by giving policymakers an additional tool. Pausing 
That's the whole point. That was always the point. <clears throat> the fact that they're 10, 11, 12 years late to the game is the only thing that's surprising about what CBDC's intent actually is. I'm surprised that it took them 12 fucking years to just get to this point. But yes, in case you're wondering, it's designed to go and force negative interest rates. So you have nothing that you can do about it. Get out of fiat, get into Bitcoin, if even only a portion of your wealth. Get off zero today. Please do it. Let's continue. In the September 8th article, Digital Currencies Pave Way for Deeply Negative Interest Rates, Senior columnist James McIntosh argued that the difference between a CBDC and cash would be highlighted if interest rates fall below zero. People would be more inclined to hold on to physical cash to earn zero rather than lose money on a digital dollar issued by the central bank. This means the central bank will have more leverage with interest rates if it issues digital dollars that can't be stashed under the mattress. Negative interest rates are used as last resorts by central banks during a recession to stimulate an economy by encouraging borrowing and spending with interest being paid to borrowers rather than lenders. U.S. interest rates are currently the lowest that they have ever been at 0.25%, according to Federal Reserve Economic Research. The Fed slashed interest rates on 0%, sorry, slashed interest rates to 0% in March 2020 during the pandemic-induced market crash. Benoit Courier, head of the Bank of International Settlements, the BIS, Innovation Hub, told the Wall Street Journal that central banks are working to ensure that central bank-issued virtual currencies are not seen to be a possible money policy instrument. Quote, negative rates aren't easy to understand. Yes, they are, bitch. They will be a reluctance both by central banks and financial institutions to go there. Deeply negative is in brackets, end quote. Negative interest rates could also be used as a tool to combat deflation by weakening the national currency. In this scenario, exports for that country would become cheaper and increasing import costs would push up inflation. McIntosh concluded that electronic money can give central banks more freedom with interest rates. End quote. Several central banks are already in negative interest territory. The European Central Bank has a rate of zero, negative 0.5% following its initial sub-zero move back in 2014. The Bank of Japan is at negative 0.1%, first dropping below that in 2016, and the Swiss, Nat- Swiss National Bank is at negative 0.75%, and Denmark has an interest rate of negative 0.5%, so Europe just basically getting torn up. Apart from giving banks more leverage with interest rates, Wolfram Seidemann the CEO of G plus D currency technology noted in July that CBDCs are a form of programmable money that can take agency away from the bearer. Quote, programmable money is designed with built-in rules that constrain the user. These rules can mean that money expires after a fixed date or its use is restricted to a certain set of goods. That quote right there is all you need to know. It's either, that quote actually right there is worse than just saying you're just gonna trigger negative interest rates. <clears throat> you have to spend your money or it goes away because they have the tr- their, their fingers on the buttons. And you can only use it to buy certain goods. You don't have the choice. And guess what happens after that? You get lobby groups that go to Washington or whatever, you know, whatever government, 
and they get on their knees and they perform the act and they beg and they plead to please let their good or service be, uh, you know, get the queen's stamp. If you don't know what that means, there is a stamp from the royal, well, from the, either the king or the queen of England that stamps a good or a service as uh, like basically that the queen is spot saying it's our, you know, I'm the official sponsor of this product. I like this product. I use this product. I use it in my household. I love it so much that I'm giving it my stamp, right? And that's exactly what's going to happen. So you'll have it to where even less companies are in competition with each other because the companies that failed to do specific lobbying tasks, like get on their knees and perform the act, they, they won't be considered. They won't be considered as a good or service that will be approved We've got to get out of this, guys. This, this shit cannot happen. If you want your children to, like, when, after you leave this planet and you have kids, look at your children right now and go, you know, like, I, you know, my kids are, are still, like, both under 12 years old. And I'm looking at their faces going, do I want them in chains? It's the saddest fucking thing that I can think of right now. It's like, and I, I, I mean, the only thing that we have right now is Bitcoin. That's, that's it. That's all we got right now. We, we just, the world has, the, almost all of the world has been, uh, what do they go, oh, take, they had their guns taken away. They can't fight back even if they wanted to. You know, it's just, we're going to have to do something. And this is the most pain, Bitcoin is the most painless, nonviolent thing that I can even think of to do it. Where it's like, you just take the power away and, and let the beast die. You unplug it from life support and you be gentle with it and you stay there and hold its hand and feel the warmth of its body leave and become cold. And then you ceremoniously plant that son of a bitch in the ground and then you go off and live your life in freedom without a shot fired, without a gun drawn, without a sword sharpened, nothing just a silent last breath and a solemn ceremony. That's all I want to see. Sadly, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think there's going to be violence. BIS may very well be behind it because they're getting scared. Act fast or miss the digital payments boat, says BIS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the Bank of International Settlements, which is the central bank of central banks, in case you're wondering. This is out of Reuters. Uh, Hugh Jones is writing it. Major central banks should press ahead now with digital currency projects to avoid falling behind comparable private sector payment initiatives that are already taking root, a Bank of International Settlements official said on Friday. Yeah, you're a little late, bitch. Corporate moves into digital payments, including Facebook, with its DM stablecoin have accelerated since the pandemic, as have contactless and trans or sorry, contactless card transactions and central banks are falling behind big tech at a time when questions are even being asked about the future of cash in some countries. Quote, the time has passed for central banks to get going, said Benak, a former European central bank official who now heads the BIS Innovation Hub. We should roll up our sleeves and accelerate our work on the nitty gritty of CBDCs. The CBDCs will take years to be rolled out while stablecoins and crypto assets are already here. This makes it even more urgent to start. You guys have already lost. 
Jesus, unlike a stable coin whose price is pegged to a largely unregulated cryptocurrency, fiat money or assets like exchange traded commodities, a CBDC is a digital version of existing notes and coins. Central banks in Europe, Britain, the United States have been considering establishing CBDCs, although only the People's Bank of China has taken concrete steps by launching trials. Quare said the European Union was unlikely play or uniquely placed to face the future in that field by building on it fast, open payment system and on strong guarantees provided by its data protection rules. In July, a European Central Bank report gave the go-ahead for the design and possible launch of a digital version of the euro, a project that Quare said could take five years. A CBDC's goal is ultimately to preserve the best elements of our current systems while still allowing a safe space for tomorrow's innovation, he said. To do so, central banks have to act while the current system is still in place and to act now. Boy, there's a telling sentence. Central banks have to act while the current system is still in place, signaling that that system is going to go away. And it's not by their design. This entire movement was caused by Bitcoin. This is reactionary. This wasn't like they weren't sitting around in 2000, October of 2008, the day before the fucking white paper Bitcoin dropped going, you know, we got to make the current system go away and we've got to bring in this uh, digital currency. And I think we're going to call them CB. No, they weren't doing that. They were just go. They were wearing their suits and going to lunch and glad handing each other and, you know, giving each other hand jobs and all the stuff that these bankers do to just remain rich and powerful. They weren't looking at Bitcoin. And again, I will sit by the body of the beast and I will lay my hands upon it as it dies. And as it passes and its spirit goes to wherever the fuck these things go, I will feel the warmth leave, leave its body. And then I will ceremoniously bury that son of a bitch into the ground. And then I will walk away and I will leave, live my life as a free man. And I ain't going to do it in China. Chinese district to conduct Bitcoin mining inspection and lay down additional crypto laws. You know, the whole reason that I'm even going to read any part of this is because it's, we don't have any more China FUD. China FUD is done. We're over it, guys. We never have to worry about this shit again. And yet here's Palak Malthora or whatever from Coingape.com. The state power company of China, Lanzhou Gansu, announced on its website that the district will begin organizing a task force to conduct inspections on Bitcoin along with other cryptocurrency mining companies. This has come instead of the district's efforts at implementing energy consumption control measures during their 14th five-year plan. According to the published article, big data companies will face surprise inspections by the task force Furthermore, the relevant mining firms are warranted to sign the commitment letter for the elimination of Bitcoin and other virtual currency mining business activities. The companies will further pledge against carrying out any activities related to virtual currencies, such as Bitcoin mining and trading. <clears throat> this localized crypto mining crackdown is arranged by the Lanzhou New Area Company in collaboration with Gansu Energy Inspection Office, the Department of Industry and Information Technology, and the Development and Reform Commission. The State Power Company of China emphasized Bitcoin and other virtual currencies' unsustainable nature. It stated that among other issues, crypto's biggest drawback is its wasteful energy consumption. Yeah, you should look at your 6,500 coal-burning plants. 
Additionally, the points at evasion of financial supervision, the lack of legal certainty for cryptocurrencies in China. <laughs> it's like no one cares. This thing came out and it didn't, it, it, like this news came out, it's doing nothing. They're all gone. All the Chinese miners are gone, dude. I mean, well, not all of them. I mean, clearly somebody stayed behind, but it's just, they're, they're going to be gone. You know, the, we don't ever have to worry about the China news again. And it wasn't until I saw this article this morning that I was like, oh shit, that's right. I ain't got to worry about this stupid crap anymore. <clears throat> but who is still worrying about stupid crap is Christine Lagarde. The ECB signals moderate slowdown in asset purchases. Bitcoin rises. This was yesterday by Amkar, Amkar Godbull from Coindesk. Yeah, there's a picture of that old witch walking across the stage. Bitcoin was higher Thursday after the European Central Bank said it would reduce the pace of asset purchases moderately under the pandemic or pandemic emergency purchase program for monetary stimulus. Quote, the governing council judges that favorable financing conditions can be maintained with a moderately lower pace of net asset purchases, the ECB said in a statement. Cryptocurrencies and risky traditional assets like stocks have been major beneficiaries of the liquidity-boosting asset purchase program launched by the ECB, Federal Reserve, and other major central banks following the pandemic-induced crash of March 2020. So any reduction in the pace of these qualitative or quantitative easing programs known as QE might prove a headwind for the Bitcoin market. But the limited scope of the ECB's latest move show the level of caution monetary policymakers are taking as they unwind the approach. The ECB snaps up assets worth $20 billion per month under its regular asset purchase program. Further, it has been purchasing government bonds worth 80 billion or yeah, 80 billion euros or $94.7 billion a month under the PEP, P-E-P-P scheme for over a year to contain the economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. According to Reuters, analysts expect the central bank to dial back purchases to 70 billion euros or 60 billion euros in the coming months. <clears throat> While the announcement suggests a move away from the pro-easing bias, the details show just how accommodative the ECB remains. So they're going to start unwinding their shit. All right, well, I don't think it's going to do anything for you, pal. You're going to unwind and you're going to get a shock in the system and you're going to go right back to purchasing assets because it's like heroin. You guys have are junkies and you're not quitting. You're so far gone that the people, even your family members, don't want to do an innovation. They just want you to go to go to the abandoned, you know, crack house and get on the third floor and crawl on this disgusting, dirty mattress, get crawled over by rats until you finally give yourself a lethal dose. And then they will come and they will lay their hands on you and they will feel the warmth leave your body. And then they will ceremoniously drop you in a hole in the ground, cover you with dirt, walk away and live their lives in freedom. I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying. And there's some news out of MasterCard. They're going to acquire a crypto intelligence company, CypherTrace. Do I really need to read any of this? No, no, I don't. But Blockworks has it. It's by Jacqueline Melanick, if you want to actually go read it. And let's see, the SEC, this one I'll get into a little bit. The SEC uh, is again delaying the ruling on the Vanek Bitcoin ETF. Gee, who could have guessed, right? Matthew DeSalvo has it from Decrypt. 
The SEC has extended its review of VanEx Bitcoin exchange traded fund application yet again. The regulatory body said yesterday in an extension notice that it would now give an answer on whether or not it would approve the ETF on November the 14th. New York-based asset management firm is awaiting a yes or no from the SEC from its December 2020 Bitcoin ETF application. They they did it the beginning of 2021, and these assholes have waited an entire year, right? And like like almost an entire it was uh, December 2020 uh, puts us into like it's like yeah uh, this yeah December 2020 yeah so like a little bit like a little bit over a year or actually you know a year and six months now it's just like whatever it doesn't matter they just keep delaying these things and then they'll say that they and then Van Eck will do one two things they'll keep their application on the table or they will pull it and then they'll resubmit. This is never going to end. At one point or another, the United States will have a Bitcoin ETF. The question is, will it be the last ETF to to ever come on the market in the world's economic market? And when it does, if this is the case, will it be will, will it be viable? The United States is literally pulling guns out of its pocket and shooting itself in the head. Hey man, we're running long. I got a joke for you, but let's do it on the other side. All right, before we hit that joke, if you want to support me, support the show, please, uh, you know, go to newpodcastapp.com, I think is where it is. Select one of those podcasting apps that support Podcasting 2.0. Load it up with Satoshis and stream me sats while you listen to the show is the best way to support support what I'm doing here. Uh, otherwise, you know, retweet my show announcements in, on Twitter and stuff like that. A five-star review on Apple iTunes uh, always gets me new listeners. And uh, other than that, man, I, I can't thank you enough. Dad says jokes. Can we ban all jokes about clones from now on? I mean, they're all the same. Now, I was going to just leave it there, but uh, there's there's a couple of interesting replies to that joke. What do you call clones who are by themselves at home? Clone alone. That one was actually done by Raj or Kira J777 in reply to Dad Says Jokes, and I actually thought it was a better joke, so there you go. Hey, man, I will definitely now see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.